Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. Before we get to the latest episode of Think Inclusive, I want to tell you about another show I think you'll enjoy. I'm Diana Pastora Carson, and I'm the host of Beyond Awareness, Disability Awareness That Matters. It's a podcast for special education and general education teachers, for parents, and for community members who want to promote disability awareness from a progressive, research-based, dignifying, inclusive social justice lens. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or at gobeyondawareness.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's get ready for the podcast for inclusionists. Think Inclusive, brought to you by MCIE. From MCIE. For the last 30 years, there has been a movement going on one you may not know a lot about or the origins of. It's the neurodiversity movement, and our guest Ira Idle wants to share with you what he's learned about it. Ira is the curator of Autistic Archive, a collection of video lessons about the history of the neurodiversity movement, links to websites created by autistics for autistics, and recommended books written by people on the autism spectrum, among other resources. My name is Tim Viegas, and you are listening to the Think Inclusive podcast presented by MCIE. This podcast exists to build bridges between families, educators, and disability rights advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. To find out more about who we are and what we do, check us out at thinkinclusive.us or on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Before we jump into our interview with Ira, 
I wanted you to meet a friend of mine. Um, my name is Brian Nance. I'm 37 years old, and I have very um, minor Asperger's. Brian and I met when I was having coffee with a friend and inclusion advocate at a local coffee shop called Circle of Friends in Woodstock, Georgia. Now, Circle of Friends employs people with and without disabilities to work together. And there are a number of coffee shops like this in the area. One of them is very close to me. It's called Independent Grounds in Kennesaw. Brian works for both coffee houses. I work here at Independent Grounds as a barista um, and a janitor. Before his current jobs, Brian felt stuck doing work that didn't have much meaning for him at independent grounds. I get to make friends. I get just a little time to myself and I get to meet and help other people. And now that he has meaningful work, Brian says it's helped improve his quality of life. I've always enjoyed working here because I've got my boss that is a really, really nice boss. And then I've actually improved in certain skills. I've actually improved in like um, my social skills, my behavior skills, and some other things. Even though I still have some problems at home, I actually think I've improved in other places. Brian didn't want to get into specifics, but previously, when he was in school as well as an adult, he was segregated into disability-only spaces. I mean, before, I, I used to have some problems back in the past, but we won't talk about them. But now, he loves working, and he loves his boss. I feel like... Lorna and my other boss I've known for a while, but I feel like there's something special with Lorna that makes me feel right at home. But he's not satisfied. When I asked him about what his goals and dreams were for his life, he couldn't wait to talk about them. Here we go. This is a good one. My goals and dreams are to, to at least try to get my driver's license or at least a learner's permit. That way, so I could go um, drive around and be more independent. My my mom and stepdad are getting old, and yes, I did say old. And I would like them. I, I would like them to retire and at least let me go out on my own and give them time to relax. I actually have a lot of life left to me, and I don't want to waste it. On the wall of independent grounds, there's a sign that reads, Inclusion Matters. I asked Brian what that phrase meant to him. I feel like I feel like everyone should get along and not look at everything as a negative. But if you know that there's a good person out there that can share good ideas and stuff, no matter if they're missing part or something or don't look or don't look right they should there's still a person too right and they should be included if you are ever in the kennesaw georgia area stop by independent grounds on the side of the bixby student apartment complex near kennesaw state university they've got some great coffee 
and you just might run into Brian. I'm sure he'd love to chat. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And now, our interview with Ira Idle. Today on the Think Inclusive podcast, we have Ira Idle, who is from Decatur, Georgia. He is an autistic person who was diagnosed at a young age. Ira holds a bachelor's degree in theater and performance studies at Kennesaw State University. Ira was a cohort of the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network's 2020 Autism Campus Inclusion. He started a student organization on his campus called Neurodivergent Advocates of Kennesaw that he led for a year. Ira has also done undergraduate research on disability and performance, which he presented at the 2021 National Conference on Undergraduate Research. More recently, Ira has been working on an archive of the neurodiversity movement known as Autistic Archive and is currently an intern at the Hirsch Academy in Decatur. In his free time, Ira likes to play video games, rest in his bed, spend time with his dogs, and browse the internet. Ira is a staunch proponent of the neurodiversity movement and believes that nobody is too disabled to live an autonomous life. Ira, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast. Hello. Hello. I'm really excited for you to be here. Um, you live in the same state as me, which is yep. great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, we first connected over social media, or at least I recognize your name yeah. and kind of like your comments and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, saw you, you went to Tash. I saw you at Tash. Yeah, and, I did and, go to Tash. And then I, I saw that you had created this thing called the autistic archive. And yeah, that is what I, I kind of dove into that. And I said, this resource is fantastic. I need to have <laughs> him on the uh, podcast <laughs> to tell people about it. So, yeah. Would you would you just introduce yourself? I know I just read your bio, but would you kind of introduce yeah. yourself to our audience yeah, of sure. educators? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've um, so I've been involved in the role of self advocacy for about three years now. Um, uh, I started out by working with um, some local organizations, um, and then I moved to doing some some stuff online. Now I've kind of moved back to doing stuff locally um, and online too, I guess. Um, um, I, I mainly got my start with um, a local ASAN affiliate group, Autistic Self Advocacy Atlanta, and then I just branched out from there um, to other things. Um, I've kind of been I've kind of been jumping between different things uh, because I'm so new to this. I'm relatively new to this. Um, and I think it's mainly because I was finding what exactly my niche was in this field of, uh, of self-advocacy. And I, I think the archive is at least a step towards me finding what exactly that is. I would say because I, I don't think there's anything like it. Well, there have been just nothing like that's, um, current. Hmm. Oh, I'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you explain to our audience what, what is the archive and, and then we can kind of dive in from there. Certainly. So uh, autistic archive is a collection of materials related to the history of the neurodiversity movement. Uh, it includes websites, forums, graphics, videos, audio files, articles, among other things. Uh, 
it, I, I think it's necessary uh, because, um, because the neurodiversity movement has been around for about 30 years now, um, and much of that history isn't widely known. Uh, I, think, um, I think a lot of people assume that it's only been around for maybe 10. Um, mm. And uh, there, have, there have been other archives. So this is what I was alluding to. So there have been other archives, particularly, and I, I listed them um, under websites uh, on autistic archive. Um, some I listed a few that weren't autism specific, but had some autism stuff in them, like uh, Mouth Magazine and uh, a Ragged Edge, which are both really great resources. Um, and but there was one in particular called NeuroDiversity.com uh, that was maintained by a woman named Kathleen Seidel, who I believe was a parent of. Um, an autistic person not i don't think she was autistic herself um but she was very involved in like the community and everything uh and uh her archive focuses a lot more on the sciencey side of things than mine does i really wanted to showcase the autistic side of the history and the history of the autistic community and and autistic self-advocacy and the neurodiversity movement specifically and there is that kind of stuff on there but also the, the website hasn't been updated since 2008. Um, and I think be, because of that, there are a lot of links that are on there that a lot of broken links. Um, um, but it also, a lot has happened since 2008. Um, I, I, was in, I was in like third, fourth grade in 2008, and now I'm out of college. So, you know, clearly that's quite a passage of time right there. Uh, um, there, uh, I think there also needs to be better education about this movement's history uh, because there tends to be a lot of misinformation about it um, as well as people repeating past mistakes. Um, I don't think that's all because they don't know the history, but I think some of it at least is. Um, hmm. the, the way I, how I started with this was I, I found this website on web archive. It can only be accessed on web archive. It's called autistics.org. Um, and it was, uh, I believe the people, the main two people who were in charge of it were Mel Bags and Laura Tosanchek. Um, and uh, I, I started, I, I started a Google doc and I, I just, I went down the line. They had a lot of other resources that led to other websites. So I just started, just started putting the links to all that stuff in, a, in several Google documents. And then I moved them to a Google drive folder and called it autistic archive. Um, and then uh, the project began in earnest once I, um, decide, I, I, I decided to move it all to Google Sites to make it a website. Uh, and um, that took like a month or so of work to like get it to be ready to launch. Um, and uh, once it was ready to launch, I sent it out to several people, um, including a private uh, group of ACI alums. Uh, um, so... The, um, a lot of people were very, a lot of, I got a lot of compliments on it. People were very, um, were very pleased with it. Um, in particular, uh, Julia Bascom, the executive director of ACM, messaged me and said that this was a great labor of love, which <laughs> I didn't even really think of it that way until then. But yeah, I, I guess it is. I mean, I do love the neurodiversity movement with all of its ups and downs. Uh, uh, I, I think um, I just thought of it as, this needed to be made. Um, I'm interested in this stuff. Let's get to work. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and again, I, I am 
slightly familiar with some of the resources and websites that it, yeah. that are on the site, but a lot of them I you know, I just had never heard of. So I think that Autistic Archive is an incredibly um, important and valuable resource for people to understand um, the movement. So um, I think I think you know kind of where like we are coming from as far as like think inclusive and yeah. inclusive education and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the, one of the, um, I guess, criticisms of this idea of inclusive education and people being educated together yeah. is that stu- uh, students in particular, um, partic- you know, in um, K-12, um, yeah, that that there is some value with autistic only spaces or yeah. spaces that are you know designed for people with autism. Um, yeah. So, and I so I just wanted to know your thoughts about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I think yeah, it all depends on uh, who's in charge, as the late Roland Johnson. Would say well, he's. I think for him, was who's in control. Mm-hmm. Um, he was involved with self advocates being empowered, um, and he was a survival of institutionalization. And he gave this really powerful speech in the '90s about like who is in control: is staff in control or are you in control? Um, and I think really that's like a very important principle to this, like, um, like because you can have autistic and disabled people involved with something, but if they're um, if they're not truly in charge, if they're not in the driver's seat, then is it really meaningful involvement? Um, and um, I think the things like Asbergia go way to the extreme where it's like we should have our own country or whatever, you know, or just where where it gets into the homogenous. Um, the, the like homogenous society kind of thing or whatever like utopia um and i and i don't think for the most part that's what people want you know mm-hmm. i think what you mentioned is more along the lines of pe- what people want or even if something is a school per se um is like made specifically for a certain population if it's by that population it's completely different you know like Gallaudet University is not the same as an oralist school for the deaf. Right. Um, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so um, I think there's value in having both, you know, inclusive general ed and things like Gallaudet um, and really the Hirsch Academy, which I, which you mentioned. Right. Since that was in my bio. Um, there, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's what I would say about that. Um, yeah. All depends on who's in control. Right. And, and I guess I would say also if, if it's truly a, a choice, right. And th- that too. Yeah. 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 Um, and at least from our perspective, the majority of times students are, are separated or segregated. It's, it's not by choice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like there's, it's the best the school could do for them. Right. Uh, Right. Exactly. Um, so as you have been doing this work, recording history, uh, yeah. of the neurodiversity movement has, has there anything that you've uncovered that has really surprised you? Quite a few things have. Uh, so when I look back at 
the old discussion forums and the blogs, uh, um, I, I see that the, the way people in the movement talk about things has certainly changed, but it's also fundamentally stayed the same. Um, and I guess like 30 years isn't like that long. So I, but I think even like 30 years later, a lot of the neurodiversity movement will have a lot of the same core principles um, and central conflicts. So the, those being, um, who are the ultimate experts on autism? What causes autism? Is that even important? Uh, what things are respectful to say about autistic people and what aren't and what kinds of service provision are the most appropriate? Uh, I think uh, the content on autistics.org um, has aged better than most of what you'll find on the archive. Um, and it's also like one of the oldest things on there. So it's really, I, I think a lot of it has to do with Mel. I don't know how much you know about Mel, but Mel Baggs was an excellent advocate and was mm -hmm. just an all around amazing person, at least from what I know. I didn't personally know Mel, but from what I know, C was just like brilliant and just had, was an excellent writer in particular. Um, and uh, now there is plenty of history leading up to autistics.org. Um, I, I think like the place to start when you're talking about the history of neurodiversity movement is the history of Autism Network International and Autry. Um, is that's when it really got off its legs. Um, and uh, that's definitely where you should start. But after that, I'd say autistics.org is like a good second step, I guess. Um, uh, there, there are plenty of things I've found that have both fascinated and disturbed me <laughs> in about equal amounts. Uh, um, a lot of the more disturbing stuff I've purposefully kept off the website. Uh, Though I certainly want to find a way to discuss it, especially with a critical lens. Kind of like, that's kind of why I've done the videos so I can, I, I, I talk about things like Asperger, but I also talk about Wrong Planet um, mm. and just like other things that I don't necessarily have on my site. Um, but I, I still like want to discuss because like it's important to talk about what went wrong here. Um, or Wrong Planet's still, you know, still active. So like what, what's going wrong and you know why is this problematic uh what can we learn from this um and that's like the that really the central thing that comes with the video lessons like what happened what went well what didn't what can we learn from this mm -hmm. and what does this say about the history of the movement uh, so yeah so what i'm hearing is that there are parts of the neurodiversity movement that that are problematic and continue to be. Yes. And you want to be able to, I guess, talk about those things without promoting them. Uh, something that I learned uh, watching the videos was about the um, the email, the listservs. Yeah. So, so I'm. Um, I went to. I was in college in the early. 2000 well late 90s oh okay so um so i remember listservs as it was something you know that i participated in it wasn't like a yeah you know it wasn't like a i wasn't huge into it but you know oh, okay uh, but uh, but i you know they were part of like my digestion of information right so yeah. um you highlighted some listservs that were early on, even before like the internet and um, forums were really a thing, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, like A and I L, um, and uh, the St. John's Autism Listserv, which um, A and I L was created because uh, several autistic people, uh, including Jim Sinclair. Uh, well, actually, it was autistic people and cousins. Uh, so people who like had similar disabilities but weren't exactly autistic. They'd also just call them ACs. Uh, a lot of them didn't feel like they were really being respected on that list. Um, in fact, there was something called the Snore Wars, um, where Jim Sinclair uh, playfully actually um, found this guy on Facebook named Stephen Drake. Um, they had a playful conversation about how Stephen was snoring at, at a conference. Like, I think they stayed in the same hotel room overnight. And, like, Jim made fun of Stephen snoring. And then they just, like, had a playable conversation about snoring. I think, like, they, they talked about llamas a little bit. And then that became an in-joke with A&I. Uh, and that also because a lot of the members had an interest in llamas. But uh, they were just, like, having fun or whatever. And there were one of the parents who ran the forums was, like, you're wasting bandwidth. Um, which is like wild to think about nowadays is that definitely wouldn't waste bandwidth now, but right. I know it was a lot more limited back then. Um, <laughs> and I think there were just other incidents where they just felt like they weren't really respected. So they're like, we're, we're going to make our own list. Um, and I think I forget what server it was on initially, but it was, it was after a year or two, it was moved to Syracuse university. Um, and I actually tried getting access to that, but it wasn't successful because um, I found a bunch of listservs that Syracuse University had. But I, I have to, I, it sounds like I have to have been there to be able to access it. Mm. So if I ever do, oh my goodness, that's going to be a treasure trove in and of itself because I'm sure uh, ANIL is like one of the really early ones. Um, so I'm sure like that's going to, that that's going to be a gold mine of like of information and everything really. Um, well, you know, l let me, let me take this opportunity that whoever is listening, cause I bet you somebody from Syracuse listens or has listened to this podcast. That so, would be cool. Yeah. Um, anyone with information uh, that could help autistic, you know, the autistic archive and Ira uh, collect this information that would be great. And you can, we'll, we'll yeah. let, we'll, at the end of the podcast, we'll make sure you give all the information, how people can get a hold of you to, to help you with this project. Um, as you know, uh, a lot of our audience are educators. So, um, general ed teachers, special education teachers, principals, district administrators. Um, what would you want educators to know about the neurodiversity movement? Yeah. So, um, I want them to know that it's been around for a while probably much longer than most assume. Uh, a lot about what educators and people in general have been told about the movement, about the movement's history is like, is likely either inaccurate or just limited. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just how it is. Um, but uh, that's kind of why the archives here. Um, I've done a lot of research into this, but I'm by no means the ultimate authority on it. Uh, nor can I give you the most authentic perspective. I'm, I'm 24 years old. When most of this was happening, when most of the early stuff was happening, I was either not born yet or a baby. And um, so uh, most of uh, what the good news is most of the OGs of the movement are still around and you can ask them uh, 
for direct recollection of things that are on there that I've talked about. Um, so yeah, I, I'm simply a curator of, um, of history, um, but you know, as neuro, neurodiversity and disability rights have stressed time and time again, nothing beats lived experience. Hmm. What, what lessons do you think an educator could take from learning this history? I think they could take that, you know, uh, autistic people, neurodivergent people. Um, by the way, the word neurodivergent was coined by Kassiana Sassamas, um, who is, yeah, one of, one of the oldies in this movement. Um, and she's still pretty active on social media. So anyway, um, that you know, we're capable of organizing our own things. Um, and I think we're just as good at it as non-autistic people are, honestly. And you know, there there have been moments of victory and celebration. There have also been um, things that went wrong. And it it doesn't I don't think it really says anything about our condition or disability. I, th I think it just has more to do with that everything that's happened in this movement's history is just human nature. Hmm. Um, and of course it, it has a very particular look to it because uh, autistic people, neurodivergent people have been at the helm of it. But at the same time, like, like every kind of human thing has, you know, has happened between us, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think we're in that regard. I don't think we're that exceptional. Um, I think we just, happen to have a particular brain wiring. Hmm. Um, so let's say, um, let's say I, I write the autistic archive can like, you could do anything you want with it. Like what would be your goal and dream for the archive? Um, I'm hoping to eventually teach a class on this, um, probably an elective at a university. Um, uh, the videos I've made under lessons are laying the framework for that. Um, and I've got like a whole curriculum, quote unquote, laid out, which is really just uh, um, the stuff that I'm going to go over in the videos. But if this were a class would be the curriculum. Uh, uh, I've already done a little bit of teaching uh, the students um, at Hearst Academy about this. And I, I hope to present it to more people because I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I, I really want to talk to people about this. I just think it's super interesting. Uh, I also hope for the site to grow and to perhaps uh, move it to a more formal host. I think Google Sites is fine and it's free, uh, but um, it's also not like, it's not the most robust web building system. There, there, there are less robust ones out there. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so regardless, I very much intend for Autistic Arch Archive to be a long-term project. Uh. Awesome. Well, yes. So if you're listening and you are thinking this um, resource is as fantastic as, as we do, um, please contact Ira and let him know how um, you can help him uh, with the autistic archive. And so Ira, why don't you drop in your, uh, contact information and how people can get a hold of you? 
Yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I believe there's a contact me tab on the website um, that has my personal email that I've had since I was 12. It's very <laughs> obvious that a 12 year old came up with it. But uh, um, if you, I guess a more form, a more formal email is iraidle at email at gmail.com. Uh, I also, I'm on LinkedIn. You can message me there. I have, I have social media. So like any social media you can find me on, feel free to message me there. I, or at me on Twitter uh, at idle underscore Ira. I'm, I'm completely fine with whatever way you want to uh, contact me about this. Um, so, so yeah, um, just reach out to me in whatever way you'd like to. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Even uh, reach out if you want to, you know, write it, write it on a scroll, put in a bottle, <laughs> ship it to me. Yeah. Feel free to do that too. Uh, Send it by Al. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ira Idle, it was a pleasure having you on the Think Inclusive podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of the Think Inclusive podcast. Subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a question or comment? Email us your feedback at podcast at thinkinclusive.us. We love to know that you're listening. Thank you to patrons Veronica E, Sonia A, Pamela P, Mark C, Kathy B, Kathleen T, and Jarrett T for their continued support of the podcast. When you become a patron, your contribution helps us with the cost of audio production, transcription, and promotion of the Think Inclusive podcast. And you could even get a shout out like the fine people we just mentioned. Go to patreon.com slash thinkinclusivepodcast to become a patron today and get access to all our unedited interviews, including the conversations you heard today. Thank you for helping us equip more people to promote and sustain inclusive education. This podcast is a production of MCIE, where we envision a society where neighborhood schools welcome all learners and create the foundation for inclusive communities. Learn more at mcie.org. We will be back with another Think Inclusive episode in a couple of weeks. And look out for more editions of the weekly-ish and bonus editions in the meantime. Thanks for your time and attention and for listening. Until next time, remember, inclusion always works. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.